Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. I have some very alarming news today. There is a silent killer on the loose in our world. This killer is striking down both young and old, rich and poor, the educated and illiterate. In fact, this killer has spread all across the globe, invading nearly every nation. Worst of all, this killer is growing increasingly widespread with each passing year. There is no vaccination to prevent it, no medicine to cure it, no face mask can cover it up. In fact, lives are being lost every day. Yet I also have some good news. This killer can be stopped. Even though there's no vaccination to prevent this killer and no medicine to cure it, there is one simple thing that would permanently end the loss of life. We can prevent any more deaths from this killer if we would all just mind the road. You see, the killer I'm talking about is not a disease like coronavirus. It's not poverty or war or famine. The silent killer I speak of today is texting while driving. That's right, texting while driving. Texting while driving kills tens of thousands of people worldwide every year. People like Rodney Thompson, age 18, and Sean Worthington, age 29. In fact, when you text while driving, you are 23 times more likely to have a road accident than when you're not texting. Globally, it is estimated that texting while driving causes over 3 million road accidents per year, leading to over a million serious injuries and more than 10,000 deaths. It's not hard to see why texting while driving is so deadly. When you text and drive, it's as if you are driving totally blind for five seconds. When you take your mind off where you're going, anything can happen. You can swerve off the road and somersault your car. You can crash into a vehicle ahead of you. You can leave your lane and end up in a head-on collision with a truck coming in the opposite direction. There's a lesson for all of us in these facts about texting while driving that goes far beyond road safety. You see, just as taking your eyes off the road in the physical realm can have disastrous consequences. So too, taking your eyes off your spiritual destination can have disastrous results as well. If you don't mind the road in life, you will miss your destination. And the consequences will impact not only you here on this earth, but in eternity as well. Fortunately, there is a way for you to overcome the distractions in your life's journey. When you learn how to fix your focus, and fix your mind, you'll be able to reach your destination in life safely and successfully. That's the truth we're going to unlock in our sermon today. But before we discover the truth for today, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you are greater than all things. You have the power to help us sanctify our minds and to fix our focus on what truly matters, on the truth and on the road you've laid out for us. So, Lord, today we submit to you. I bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to transform our thinking so that we can fix our minds on you and filter the truth through your truth. We pray today that you will guide us as we learn how to change our thinking and change our life. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now. Just put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's broadcast. It's great to have you here today as we continue our sermon series, How to Predict Your Future. I don't know about you, but this series has really impacted my life, and it's helping me keep my life on the right path. You see, when you learn the principles of prediction from God's Word, then it helps you to see where you're going in life. And the good news for all of us is that when you see where you're headed, you can learn how to correct your course before you crash. You can adjust your steps to get to a better destination. This is especially true with our fourth principle of prediction. Today, we're going to discover that you can predict your future by examining what's on your mind. In fact, you can change your future when you change your thinking. That's the powerful truth we learn in our scripture text for today. Our text is taken from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's on your sermon notes and it's on the screen. But I believe God's word has the most impact when it's on our lips and in our hearts. So let's all read this verse out loud together. Are you ready to read it with faith? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Of all the great verses in the Bible, this has to be one of the most simple yet most powerful verses. Inside these few short words, we have a command, don't copy the world, a promise, God will transform you, and a roadmap, change the way you think. And the truths in this verse can change your life and change your future. Think for just a minute about what God is telling us in this verse. God links our future destination with present day behavior. And just as we've seen in all our principles of prediction, the Lord lays out a clear road to follow that will give us the right destination. If you want to get to God's plan and purpose for your life, you have to mind what's on your mind. If you want to achieve God's good and perfect and pleasing purpose for life, you have to start thinking about what you're thinking about. But listen carefully. The Bible doesn't just say to change what you think about. It says you must change the way you think. Changing what you think about is a part of the process, but it's only a part. Life transformation involves more than just thinking good thoughts. It involves a whole new process of mind. So today, let's discover how to fix your future by fixing your mind. And here's your first step today. You've got to Fix your focus. Everybody say, fix your focus. Listen again to the first phrase in our text for today. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And think carefully about what God is telling us. If you want to copy something, you have to focus on it. You have to look at it, examine it, study it, and then reproduce it. This all speaks to us about focus. You're only able to copy the world if you focus on the world. And the same is true in following the Lord. If you focus on Jesus, you will follow Jesus. For the fact is, footsteps follow focus. In other words, you will move in the direction of your focus. And since your direction determines your destination, your future is wherever you focus. That's why God tells us in Proverbs 4, 25 to 27, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. 
keep your feet from following evil. So to get to the right destination, you have to stay focused. To this day, I can still remember a time when failing to heed this truth nearly caused a road accident. I was out driving on the highway, speeding along smoothly, when all of a sudden I passed a fire burning out of control off the road to my right side. The sight was so fascinating, I began staring at what was happening. The fire off the road caught my attention, and as I stared off the road, I began to veer in that direction. I began moving in that direction till I went off the road only swerving back onto the road in time saved me from an accident. What you focus on in the physical will dictate your geographical destination. And what you focus on in life will dictate your life destination. For the fact is your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. We can see this truth in the Bible in Hebrews 11, 15 to 16. The Apostle Paul tells us and talks to us about those who followed God in ages past. Listen carefully. If they had been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And understand what he's telling us. If the people focused their attention on Egypt, they would have gone back. If they'd been thinking about their past, they would have returned to their past. And the same is true for all of us. If you start thinking about the past, it opens the door for you to return to your past. You can't think on past relationships or past pleasures or past lifestyles because footsteps follow focus. But if you focus on the heavenly and the eternal, that's where you'll end up. If you focus on eternity, your life will center on the eternal. That's why Colossians 3, 1 to 3 tells us, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your eyes on the realities of heaven. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. If you want to go to heaven, you have to focus on heavenly things. If you want your destination to be eternity with Jesus, you have to focus on eternal things. Letting your eyes wander all over the world and focusing on all sorts of pleasures and fascinating delights will lead you off the road and away from your destination. That's why David prayed in Psalm 119, 35 to 37, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of a woman named Denise Matthews. Denise Matthews traveled a road that many would envy. Her musical ability opened doors for her. She became part of the band for the singer Prince and changed her name to Vanity. She had fame, power, and possessions. She was rich, and she traveled with celebrities. She denied herself no pleasure. But the road leads where the road leads, and in the end, Denise ended up a drug addict. Her lifestyle of lust made her broken, sick, and disillusioned. And then one day in 1993, Denise Matthews ended up in the hospital. She was so sick, the doctors told her she had three days left to live. Three days. Three days away from death, her final destination stared Denise Matthews in the face. 
And when she gave reflection to her direction, she suddenly realized she was on the wrong road. And in that moment of reflection, Denise Matthews gave her life to Jesus Christ. She got off the wrong road and got onto God's road. Realizing the danger she was in, Denise acted at once and abandoned her music, canceled her contracts, and repented from her sin. She turned from her own understanding and submitted to God's wisdom. The change in her life was dramatic. Denise completely denounced her former lifestyle, cut off all ties with Hollywood, and even refused to receive any monetary profit from her former secular musical recordings. She became an evangelist, turning others off the road of sin. Listen to Denise's own words. Prior to finding my Lord and Savior, I lived in the bottomless pit playground of Hollywood deceit. Lust, rock and roll, accompanied by drug use, lifted me higher and then dropped me like a steel beam. Sinking down into deep depression, I camouflaged my plan with even more makeup and a fake smile. With the devil breathing down my neck, trying desperately to snatch and strangle me for hell, I repented. Yes, one sweet day my Jesus reached down with his long extended love and pulled my wretched body up from the darkness. Now I live and move and breathe and love and have my being in Jesus the Christ. Denise Matthews is living proof that footsteps follow focus. When she focused on the party life, it led her down the road to death. But when she turned her focus to Jesus, it led her to life. And the same principle of prediction applies to all of us. Show me what you're focused on today, and I'll show you where you'll end up tomorrow. That's why we need to pay less attention to what doesn't matter and more attention to what does matter. So let me ask you a question today. What's on your mind. What has your focus? If you're wise, you'll focus on the things that will get you to your destination. That's why Proverbs 17, 24 says, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. If you don't control your focus, you won't control your future. This is why the Bible tells us in Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. Fix your mind on Christ and you'll follow Christ. Get distracted and you'll go astray. That's the tragic lesson I learned from my former personal secretary, a young lady named Jennifer Ritter. Jennifer was a lively young lady from Pennsylvania, USA. When I was working in Nigeria, Jen came over and worked with me as my secretary. When I moved to Ghana, she returned to the USA. After a short time, she met a young man. They fell in love and were engaged to be married. One night, Jen had gone to discuss wedding plans with her fiancé. Driving home from his house, Jen decided to listen to music. So she reached over to put a CD into the CD player in her car. But somehow, the CD slipped out of her hand and fell on the floor of the passenger side of the car. So Jen reached over to pick it up and put it into the player. But in the seconds it took to do so, she took her eyes off the road. She went out of her lane and hit a truck headed in the opposite direction. Jen Ritter died instantly. A distraction cost my former secretary 
her life. Just a moment, just a brief glance away, just a simple thing like reaching for a CD to play music and her life was gone. You cannot escape the fact that attention influences direction. You may be on the right road, traveling with the right people, and practicing the right habits, but if you begin to focus on the wrong thing, you'll end up crashing your life. But if you get your attention on the right things, you'll go in the right direction. And that brings us to our second step today, fix your thinking. See, the first step to change your thinking is to fix your focus. Then the second step is to fix your thinking. Your focus is a result of your thinking. What you think about continually is what you're focused on. And that's good news because the truth is your focus doesn't need to be based on whatever comes your way. You don't have to be under the influence of every thought that enters your mind. You can change your thinking. You can call on Jesus to help you and you can change your thinking when you surrender to him. That's why our text continues with these words. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You can begin to fix your future by fixing your thinking today. You can let God change you by changing your thinking. For the fact is, the life you build is a reflection of the way you think. Jesus understood this. That's why his very first message that he preached on earth was about changing your mind. In Matthew 4, 17, he said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, many of you might say, wait a minute, pastor. That doesn't say anything about changing your thinking. That verse tells us Jesus preached that we should repent. We should change our behavior. But friends, here's the truth. The word repent does not mean change your conduct. The word repent literally means to change your mind. The English word repent is a translation of the word Jesus spoke in the Greek language, metanoio, and that word literally means change your mind. We've all heard the word repent, and we think automatically change the way you behave. Go the other direction. I'm stealing money. I need to stop. I'm losing my temper and getting angry. I need to stop. We automatically begin to think about changes we need to make to our actions and our lifestyles. But that's not what Jesus means at the foundation. He means we must change our thinking. Repent doesn't just mean change your actions. It means change your thoughts. Because when you change your thoughts, you will change your actions. Now understand, when Jesus began his ministry, he'd been planning this for a long time. He'd been planning for many years what he would say to the people when he had a chance. And this is the first message he gave us. Change your thinking. Because Jesus knows there's a huge link between our thoughts and our actions. He was more preoccupied with our thoughts and our ability to think right than he was with our behavior and our ability to act right. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't care about your behavior, not at all. He knows that wrong behavior hurts us and our families and our futures. But he didn't come to say, change your conduct. He came to say, change your thinking, change your thought life, because Jesus knows that when you change your thinking, you change your life. If we stop and think about it, we would have to admit that we all know this too. Every action starts in our minds. Every hope, every dream, every goal started in our minds. Today we say, think before you act, because we know this to be true. We know that life change begins in our minds. That's why Romans 8, 5, and 6 tells us, those who are dominated by the sinful nature 
think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Your mind will either be controlled by the flesh or by the Spirit. Those outside of Christ have minds controlled by the flesh. But the new life we have in Christ Jesus gives us the power to break free by letting Him dominate our thinking. And I'm here to tell you today, you can be free. Your life can be changed. Christ has come to liberate you from stinking thinking and give you a new and better life. So just tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's time to get rid of your stinking thinking. If you will let the Holy Spirit take control of your mind, you will have life and peace. The same mind that held you as a prisoner will have to turn around and give you life and peace when God takes over. That's the truth we can learn from the true story of a man named Yassin from Rabat, Morocco. Yassin grew up in dire poverty. His father died when he was a 14-year-old boy, and he was forced to scavenge to support his family. Every night, Yassin would go to the rubbish dump in Rabat to scavenge for whatever he could find to sell or use. The environment was filthy, the work was dangerous, and the income was minimal. Yassin saw people die in front of his eyes at the dump. Sometimes stronger men would wait till he and others had gotten things. They would go and steal them from the people. But rather than remaining in bondage at the dump, Yassin decided that he would not be a prisoner to his conditions. So he enrolled in university, even while working in the dump. And over time, Yassin earned his university degree. He went on to establish the first cooperative for waste recycling in Morocco. He banded together with other scavengers from the dump, and they began processing rubbish in a treatment facility. In the rubbish dump, Yassin had no rights. He didn't even feel like a human being. He was a victim and a prisoner. But now he's taken control of the very thing that used to hold him down and enslave him. Yassin says, we were victims of the dump. Today, we are its future. And that's how it is for every one of us when we yield our minds to Christ. Your mind may have imprisoned you. Your thoughts may lie and tell you that you'll never be free. Your pattern of thinking may have prevented you from rising up and taking control of your life. But through Jesus Christ, you can take control of what used to hold you in bondage. The rubbish heap of your mind can become the treasure that brings you life and peace. In fact, that's exactly what God wants for you. That's why he says in Ephesians 4.17, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of your thinking. God insists on it. If you want a new life, you need new thinking. Break off the old habits and put on the new. You see, the fact is that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. The enemy knows that if God gets control over your mind, your life will change. The enemy knows that if you break free from the bondage of your bad thinking, you will get on the road to spiritual success. So he wars against your mind and tries to capture control of your thoughts. That's why the Bible urges us to fix our thinking. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, the Word of God says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
Taking every thought captive literally means to apprehend by brute force. You have to arrest the thoughts like a policeman. See, friend, here's the facts. Either you or your thoughts will become captive. If you don't control your thoughts and bring them captive, then you yourself will be a captive. But if you bring your thoughts under control, you yourself will be free. You have to take every thought captive. You have to be intentional about your attention. You have to block every wrong thought from entering your mind, and you have to uproot every wrong thought that is already there. Every thought has to be arrested and submitted to God. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Not only do you reap what you sow, you also harvest the weeds you fail to uproot. There are some thoughts that are weeds in your soul. And if you don't uproot them, you will eat the bitter fruit from them. If you don't pull up the weeds of carnal thinking, you will eat the fruit of those carnal thoughts. For what stays in your mind stays in your life. That's why Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you don't control what's on your mind, you'll never control what you do. That's why Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And if you will get a new attitude in your mind, you'll get a new life. It's not just individual thoughts. It's the entire attitude of your mind. That leads to our third step to fixing your mind. To get a new future through a new mind, you have to fix your filter. To fix your life by fixing your mind, you have to do more than just put the right facts in your mind. You have to learn to filter the facts through the truth of God. You have to put the right filter on your thoughts. That's why our text continues and says, then you will learn. Everybody say learn. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When you begin to change your life by changing your thinking, then you have to learn to know God's will. I learned this lesson the hard way in the early days of my marriage. Back in those days, my wife used to love to rearrange the furniture in our house. She doesn't do it as much as she used to, but in our early years of marriage, she was always moving furniture around. Maybe it's because we couldn't afford to buy new chairs, so she would move the old ones we had. It made her feel like she was getting something new. It didn't really bother me that she was often moving the furniture, but sometimes it did create a problem for me. I would just get used to a chair or table being in a certain place, and then it would be shifted. I remember one time in particular, my wife moved a chair, and I was in the habit of it being in one place. I kept stubbing my toe and hitting my foot on that chair because it was in a different place than what I was used to. In other words, I had to learn a new way of thinking. I could put the right facts in my mind, but it took time to learn it. What I was used to thinking was no longer relevant to my life. My familiar pattern of thinking needed to change. The old was out, the new was in, and my feet kept telling my mind it needed to change. And so it is for us as Christians. Information alone is not enough. You have to learn to think as Christ thinks. For Philippians 2.5 says, think as Christ Jesus thought. This means you not only have the thoughts of Jesus, you also have the thinking process of Jesus. To think as he thought means you filter truth the way Jesus filtered truth. 
The fact is we all filter truth. We all have a thought process that takes information, interprets it, and reacts accordingly. Two people can receive the exact same information and react differently. They both have the same knowledge, but they process it differently. A negative filter leads to negative conclusions. A few years ago, I called two of my pastoral apprentices to my office for a meeting. I was surprised when they came in, for one of them was obviously nervous, and the other was obviously happy. And then I realized why. The one who was nervous was thinking, oh no, what have I done wrong? It must be really bad for the senior pastor to call me to his office. But the one that looked happy was thinking, wow, this is a great day. The senior pastor called me to his office. Awesome. And he came in happy. They had the same facts, but they had different filters. And that's important for all of us to know because you can't have a positive life with a negative mind. That means you not only fill your mind with truth, you receive truth filtered from God's perspective. The fact is, information without revelation will never lead to transformation. That's why the Pharisees were so deceived. They had all kinds of knowledge about the scriptures, but they had no revelation from God. They could tell you all the facts about the coming of the Messiah, but when Jesus the Messiah stood right in front of them, they didn't recognize him. And the same is true for many in the church today. We can quote the Bible and tell all kinds of facts about God, but our lives have not been transformed because we don't have the filter of revelation. Knowledge puffs up. Simply filling your mind with information doesn't bring life change. You have to have the mind of Christ, the thinking process of Jesus. You have to filter information through the mind of Christ. That's why 1 Corinthians 2, 13 to 16, Apostle Paul says, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. In other words, we pass the facts through the filter of the Holy Spirit. We don't just have information. We have revelation. For people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit, the Bible says. They have facts, but they don't have a spiritual filter. They only see the natural. They don't see the spiritual. Paul continues, they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. In other words, if you have the mind of Christ, you have the filter of truth. Then Paul says these words, we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And that means there's a filter called revelation that you need in order to understand God's word. You need more than new thoughts. You need a new mind. You need the mind of Christ. These are not just words we read from the Apostle Paul. This is the very message of his life. If ever there was a man who fixed his thinking through the filter of God's truth, it was Paul. He learned to think about every situation with the mind of Christ. For example, Paul had a dream to preach in Rome, but he went to Rome as a prisoner. That could have discouraged him and defeated him, but instead he processed that information through the filter of the mind of Christ, and Paul fulfilled his destiny of preaching from a prison cell. That's why he said in Philippians 1, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The fact is, he was a prisoner. 
But the filter of the mind of Christ let him say, God is working in the prison to give me a guaranteed audience. Prison guards are captive to my preaching. The fact is, he was in chains. But the filter of the mind of Christ allowed him to say, God is working through these chains to free others. The whole Roman guard knows the gospel. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you filter it. That's the powerful truth we can learn from the true story of a man named Daniel Siddique Ture. Daniel is a 24-year-old man living in Sierra Leone. When Ebola struck his nation hard many years ago, Daniel was one of the victims. He lost 27 members of his family to Ebola, including his mother. Worst of all, Daniel himself was infected with the Ebola virus. He was taken to the Carytown Ebola Treatment Center where he spent 16 days in treatment. Miraculously, Daniel survived Ebola. He was, in fact, the first survivor of Ebola at Carytown. Listen to his words. When Ebola came, it snatched away everything, all the happiness that I used to get, Daniel says. I used to have a whole family around me. My sister is the only one left now. She's the only family I have. Daniel could have said to himself, I'm a victim. I will never recover. I've lost too much, and I'll never get it back. But instead of feeling sorry for himself, Daniel filtered his experience through a positive filter. Rather than saying, I had Ebola, and I'll never recover, Daniel said, I had Ebola, but I survived. Rather than saying, I've had too much pain, Daniel said, I will turn my pain to gain. So Daniel went back to school and is studying to become a doctor. He refused to allow his loss to ruin his life. He refused to allow his pain to prevent his gain. He filtered his circumstances through the lens of possibility, and he's come out a winner. He told the BBC, I want to become a doctor to help the needy and to help others who did not have access to good medical care. You see, when you put your pain through the filter of God's power, you'll realize that He can redeem your loss and turn it to life. When you put your circumstances through the filter of God's love, you'll realize that God can turn it around for good. So here's the truth God wants you to act on today. Don't interpret God through your circumstances. Interpret your circumstances through God. That's what the prophet Jeremiah tells us in Lamentations 3. 21 to 22. Listen to his words. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Jeremiah faced discouragement, yet when he brought to mind the goodness of God, it brought him hope. When he filtered his circumstances through God's love and power, it gave him courage. And the same will happen to you. When you fix your filter, it brings hope. When you possess the mind of Christ, it gives you courage. That's why my prayer for you today is found in Romans 15, 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
May God grant you the same mind as Jesus Christ. May all your thoughts be His. May we have one mind to glorify God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That prayer will be answered today when you follow the three simple steps to fix your future by fixing your mind. First, fix your focus. For footsteps, follow focus. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Second, fix your thinking. The life you build is a reflection of the way you think. What stays in your mind stays in your life. And third, fix your filter. How you view life determines how you do life. If you want to get to a better future, don't interpret God through your circumstances. Interpret your circumstances through God. But you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you filter it. So, what's on your mind? Where is your focus taking you? Think about what you're thinking about. Examine the filter of your mind and you'll discover how to predict your future. The hope of God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here,